The following podcast contains explicit language and movie spoilers. You've been warned. No, seriously, there, there's spoilers and, and foul language. Yeah. Welcome to $20 Ticket, where we tell you how much we would pay to watch The Karate Kid. My name is Kerwin, and joining me today is Jason. What up, Jason? Not much. How about you, Kerwin? I'm good, man. What are you drinking today? So, Coors Light today. Also with us is Mugga. What up, Muggs? Yo. What are you drinking? A truly pineapple talk-in. Making his return on the podcast is Jordan. What's happening, Jordan? Hey, Kerwin. Good to be back. Uh, what are you drinking today? As always, a Frosty Guinness. Nice. And uh, <laughs> a long way to return. You know, we got Lindy back on the on the show. It's been a while. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. What are you drinking? I am drinking a pineapple high noon. All right. Sounds delicious. Uh, today, we are talking about The Karate Kid, released June 22nd, 1984, it stars Ralph Macchio, Pat Morita, Elizabeth Shue, William Zabka, Martin Love, and Randy Heller. It's directed by John G. Avildsen, and it is distributed by Columbia Pictures. Now let's talk about our experience with The Karate Kid. Uh, Jordan, what is your experience? So this movie came out before I was born, but I have uh, several fond memories of sitting at home, watching it on VHS with my dad. So, uh, yeah, I, I've been uh, mimicking that crane kick since I was probably four years old. <laughs> Which uh, I did research. I think that's illegal in an actual contest. <laughs> like, I think he would have been disqualified, but we'll get to that. Yeah, there's a, actually a whole uh, alternative take uh, <laughs> on uh, Karate Kid and that Daniel is the true villain, villain of this. That was on uh, How I Met Your Mother, right? It, it was featured yeah. on How I Met Your Mother. Yes, it was. Yeah. Because they, they both show up, or was that just uh, Johnny that shows up in How I Met Your Mother? Just they, Johnny. No, they oh, actually both show up. So the short and sweet version is, uh, so Robin thinking, and I'm using air quotes here, thinking that Barney's favorite person from The Karate Kid was uh, Ralph Macchio, hires him to kind of hang out for the bachelor party. But there's this clown that's just kind of been hanging out in the background the whole time and nobody pays attention to until Barney freaks out and is like, it's about William Zabka, that's who I like, not Ralph Macchio. And this clown just steps forward and is like, you get the movie, man. (laughs) Takes off the face paint and whatnot and it's William Zabka. He's been there the whole time. That's awesome. Nice. Yeah, I was reading that too, but I, I never really watched that show. So, are you a How I Met Your Mother fan? I uh, I did enjoy the series. Yeah, we, we we started it. I never got to that episode though. I'll have to give that episode a try. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that's uh, probably season eight. Yeah, it's down the road, huh? Yeah, yeah. You could just skip season nine, honestly. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, my experience with uh, Karate Kid. I don't remember the first time I saw it, but I do remember that this movie was on TV a lot, uh, especially on the Disney Channel, I believe. Like, mm. this movie was, like, constantly on Disney Channel. How edited it may have been, I'll never know, because I was a small child, and I still am one today. Um, but, uh, yeah, seen it uh, seen it a couple times. Uh, watched it last night uh, to take notes. Uh, rented it on um, Amazon. I know it's free on Peacock, but I don't... I was just like, fuck it, I already rented it. So, yeah, that's my experience. Uh, Lindy, what is your experience? I'm a kid of the 80s. I'm a total product. I was born in 1980. I'm old. Um, So Karate Kid was just kind of that iconic movie that you watched growing up. I loved it. She's missing that. She's gotten this huge 
I guess, interest in it because she's all about Cobra Kai right now. So that's kind of where we're going with this. I wouldn't say that my interest of Cobra Kai is what led me to Karate Kid. Mm. I think my interest of Cobra Kai is because of Karate Kid. Like just having that come out was just huge and it brought back a lot of like childhood memories and just Mm. the excitement of it. They have nailed every single one of the whole (laughs) franchise, right? Yeah. Yeah, really. Mugga, what's your experience? I, I, I can't tell you when it was actually the first time I watched it. Um, I did watch it recently because wasn't it on Netflix for a couple months in a row? And I, mm. we watched it because um, I think they're the ones that have Cobra Kai, so they have it. But uh, this is an experience I wanted to bring up. I, when I was a kid, was naive. The skeleton scene where Johnny's in the bathroom, I thought for the longest time he was fixing his headphones until I just recently watched it. I go, no, that guy's rolling a joint, dude. <laughs> I had no idea when I was a kid. I never put it together, so I wanted to bring that up in my experience. But I couldn't tell you when I watched this. Uh, I just remember watching number three, though, more than I watched number one for some reason. I don't know why. Like, I feel like I was obviously born in 82, so I might have missed like the hype of this one and when I was like understanding things three was out. But uh, I've seen this a, a, a bunch of times. But but yeah, those kind of my multiple experiences. And Jason, what is your experience? So like you guys, I don't remember the first time I watched it. Mm-hmm. Seen it a million times. I love the movie. Um, Cobra Kai was awesome. Um, but yeah, I, try, I was trying to watch Cobra Kai when Elizabeth was home and she like sat down for, I would say about five or 10 minutes of one episode and she thought it was the cheesiest shit ever. So when I went to go, it is if you don't watch the. If you don't watch cheesy, I loved it. (laughs) So yeah, so she she had never seen the original. I think she still hasn't, and so she doesn't get all the references. But um, yeah, I I rewatched it last night. I did choose to watch it on Peacock for free, but it is miserable because there's about sixteen one minute commercials throughout it. So (sighs) it's painful. So I have the free version of Peacock though. So oh. I don't know if maybe the the other higher up level you don't have commercials. Uh, it, it was painful to watch, and I was I had to watch it outside because I don't think Elizabeth wanted to watch it. Her and Charday were doing their nails and watching '90s music videos, so I was like, "I'll just I'll just sit out in the backyard and watch this." But uh, yeah, I mean that's my experience. All right. Uh, so before we get into behind the scenes, uh, Mugga hit us with the financials. So again, it was uh, made in '84. Um, did very, very, very well at the box office at that time frame, a little over 90 million. Um, and that is domestic. It did have an international box office of 42,000, which I'm wondering, did it go to like a theater in Mexico or Canada or something? I don't, I don't know, you know, but, uh, but financially in 1984, very, very well, um, because it was so long ago, I looked it up. I, all I could find that was also in theaters, I think according to box office mojo was Ghostbusters which I, I don't know, I, I just feel like there wasn't a lot of movies in theaters on the weekends at that time, right? I mean, I don't know, I mean, it sounds right, you know, but uh, I did look at the uh, the box office of where this ranks in the franchise. I am including the Karate Kid with Will Smith's son, mm. as well as the next Karate Kid, which I believe, who is that lady? Hilary uh, Swank. Hilary Swank. Mm-hmm. And uh, this one, um, even though it was the first one, is actually the third overall, right behind number two, but the one with Will Smith was number one. And the number three, which I'm kind of surprised is actually one of the worst ones, that's number four, but the next Karate Kid was number five. Yeah, mm-hmm. but then they also mm-hmm. had a Cobra Kai premiere that was behind all of these. <laughs> that one didn't do too well in the theaters, yeah. Or I think it only went in like a couple though, to be honest. But uh, this did have a fun fact about it. It was the highest rented movie when you could actually rent movies at Blockbuster in 1985. 
Yeah. Oh, so I thought that so was cool. kind of cool, you know, but, uh, but yeah, financial success made it a little over 90 million and it kind of kickstarted the franchise, which theoretically today we still have going with Cobra Kai. So mm-hmm. yeah, those are the financials. All right, Jason, uh, tell us what the people thought. So Rotten Tomatoes, 89% of the critics liked it. Pretty good. Yeah. 6.9 out of 10 was average rating with uh, 39 fresh ratings and five rotten. Um, the audience, 82% of the audience gave it a 3.5 out of 5 or higher with an average rating of 4 out of 5 with over 250,000 ratings. So pretty close, only 7% difference. Uh, IMDb, uh, average rating was 7.3 out of 10 uh, with over 217,000 reviews. The demos are all within two tenths, so they're all pretty similar between male, female of all ages. Uh, I thought this was interesting though, when you look up how many people gave it a one, two, three, four, five, like for each number, um, 32% of the audience gave it a seven, 25 gave it an eight, 10 gave it a nine, and 11 gave it a 10. So it's like 80% of the votes were seven and above. So yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, So I also looked up how they rank um, based on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, for all of the uh, Karate Kids, including Cobra Kai. So, which one do you guys think got the worst rating? Karate, Karate Kid, Kid 3. Yeah. Um, I would say the next Karate Kid. The one with is it, the, are we that, including that one or just yeah. the three? Yeah. I would so say this the is, next Karate Kid is the worst. Okay, so the next Karate Kid um, got 7%. So wow. 7% of the critics liked it on Rotten wow. Tomatoes. That's not good. Yeah. Um, next was Karate Kid 3. 13% of the critics liked it. Karate Kid 2, uh, 44%. Um, the original Karate Kid, like I said, got 89. Uh, the Karate Kid in 2010 got 66%, and then Cobra Kai is right now at 93. Wow. Yeah. So, so it's crazy because I did in my experience that number three, I remember watching all the time. When I try to go back to watch it, I realize how just such crap it is. Like he literally fast passes like to the finals, right? And it's like, oh. there's no buildup, but I did like Mike Barnes. I is did that like the one him where as, they're hanging off the cliff yeah, with the bonsai yeah. tree? Yeah. yeah, that was awful. Yeah, so I, I, I it's weird because I, I grew up watching that one more. Number one is obviously to me my favorite now out of the whole franchise but uh but it's crazy that number three is that low you know yeah no i i thought so too i was i was really surprised that next karate kid only got seven i thought that was like a different take on it but yeah. i don't know only seven percent but then yeah cobra kai is killing it with 93 so mm. that's uh that's the reviews all right cool uh mugga take us behind the scenes okay so this movie is called the karate kid it was originally supposed to be called eats meets west sorry east meets west i'm kind of glad they went to uh, the karate kid <laughs> it's so funny that you say that because i just ended up watching uh this clip on uh instagram where uh this lady's selling like these uh hand products to steve harvey right. on like a talk show and uh he's rubbing like this ointment all over his hands and the big sign behind her says east east meets west and he's rubbing this ointment on his hands and he's like, oh, what, what's in this? And she's like, oh, that is a discarded human foreskin. Oh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Literally watched that like last night or this morning. Yeah, so there's a guy by the name of Robert Kamen. He is credited for writing this movie. Um, he was approached by Columbia Pictures to do a franchise kind of like your Rocky and um, decided to write what he kind of explains is somewhat based on his childhood. Um, according to Wikipedia, he was beaten up by a couple of bullies and decided to study martial arts to help defend himself. Um, his first teacher, however, he was very unhappy with in the way he used martial arts as a way of violence and revenge. So you can kind of see where the story is kind of starting to originate. Um, then he ended up getting a second teacher, literally from what I'm reading, his name was Chojin Miyagi. 
And so with that being said, I had to look this guy up. He lived from 1888 to 1953 and was from Okinawan and studied martial arts um, and founded the Goju Ryu School of Karate, blending in Okinawan and Chinese influences. And that's a direct quote from Wikipedia. I want to bring up the Okinawan and why it's not Japanese, but I guess this is an island outside of Japan that is kind of a territory affiliated with Japan. But I think in the war, um, they fought on the side of the U.S. And that's why he has that whole arc of him, a former military vet in the movie and all that stuff. So it's kind of cool, you know what I mean? That's where that all comes from. But anyways, um, he used these uh, things to help originate the story. And he had a very strong opinion on who the characters should be and who casted by, especially Miyagi. Um, I'm going to kind of get into that. But adding to the actual script, this also was influenced by the producer, Jerry Weintraub, is that how you say his name? Um, he actually gave the writer an article about a young kid of a single mother who earned a black belt to defend himself again against neighborhood bullies. And so that alone with his experiences is kind of where he developed this story, which I will get into parts of that in a bit, but I want to get into the cast because I think this is kind of the most important part. Um, I'm going to start with Daniel LaRusso. It is insane how many people are tied to the casting of this character. Um, he originally wasn't supposed to be called LaRusso. He was supposed to be called Daniel Weber or Weber, however you want to pronounce it. And the reason why they changed it is when Machio got it to kind of give it that whole Italian kind of like feel. Um, but these are guys that were originally supposed to or connected. Um, I mean, it's, it's crazy. So it's Sean Penn, Robert Downey Jr., Charlie Sheen, um, Emilio Estevez, Nick Cage, Anthony Edwards, Tom Cruise, and then three guys that I've never heard of, John Cryer um, and Eric Stoltz and Thomas Howell. Do you know who those guys are? Yeah, Eric Stoltz was the original Marty McFly before they replaced him with Michael J. Fox. That's right. What, what else has he been in, though? Uh, the Mask, or Mask. Was Eric Stoltz? Okay. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, it didn't go to those guys. I, I'm surprised. Tom Cruise, really? <laughs> like, I mean, when did Top Gun come out? I mean, how young was he? Well, isn't he a vampire or something? So, <laughs> I mean, it's got to be around the risky business era, I would imagine. Or yeah. well, because Ralph Macchio was like, wasn't he like early twenties when so, they were filming so this? He was actually twenty-two. And the reason why I, I that they're going to credit that his work on a movie, I think, or maybe a show called The Outsiders kind of gave him the upper hand. But he was 22, but had that baby face look that looked like he was in high school. And I think that's what helped him get this role as well. But, uh, but yeah, he was 22 years old. Another person that actually auditioned for it is a guy by the name of Kyle Eastwood, who is the son of Clint Eastwood. The reason why I'm bringing this up, he obviously didn't get the role. And I guess Clint Eastwood was so pissed off that Columbia Pictures' connection to Coca-Cola, he then started banning Coke products from all of his sets, which is kind of like, kind of like a, a dick move, I guess. I don't know, like just kind of crybaby mentality. I don't know, but uh, but yeah, you have uh, you have Ralph Macchio who plays Daniel Larusso, um, getting real, into real, his villain. Real quick though, did you read the thing about Charlie Sheen? Oh, he passed on it for like a weird movie, right? Yeah, so he did some movie called Grizzly. That's what it was. Yeah. And so they were starting to film Grizzly 2 in 1983, but they never, they just started filming it. They never completed it. But somehow now in 2020, they released this movie. So, Come on, we got to watch it. <laughs> I have it pulled up on Wikipedia and all of this is accurate. And they actually released it at the Hollywood Real Independent Film Festival in, uh, in 2020. And it was released um, on video on demand, obviously in 2021. But yeah, some some movie that took you know damn near two decades to put out. So wow. I just thought it was interesting. 
All right, I have to check that one out. Um, three decades. Three decades. Yeah. Yes. Johnny Lawrence, played by William Zabka. Um, this was originally, his character's name was going to be called Donald Rice. <laughs> I could not find out why they changed it. I'm just glad they did. I don't know how you guys feel. Yeah, no, agree. Um, uh, the only person that I could find that was affiliated also or in talks was Crispin Glover, who obviously we know that's in Back to the Future. What are you guys' thoughts on that? I mean, I don't know. They should have just got uh, Biff to play him. There you go. <laughs> yeah. I, I think Johnny Lawrence is one of my treasures of this movie. He's a, good, a great villain. Um, a couple things about his character is that I guess Machio felt that when Zabka walked into the room and tried to audition, he scared the shit out of him. And so with that being said, I think you kind of see the chemistry and how it parallels in the movie with these two guys. Um, fun fact about uh, Zabka, though, I think before Cobra Kai, he would actually get strangers in real life wanting to fight him, like uh, out in the real, like the real world. And uh, I guess even filming the tournament scene, they had like 500 extras. They were making him such a villain that the crowd was like booing him when there was not even like film going. Like he was just like that much of a villain. I think that's changed since Cobra Kai's came out the series. But uh, but yeah, another fun fact about him. He's actually the youngest of this whole cast. He's actually 18, while the rest of the cast, his whole entourage, Elizabeth Shue, Machio, they're all like 20 to 22 years old, which is weird because he looks the oldest, in my opinion, if you kind of look at when they're on screen, you know. So um, getting into LaRusso's Love Life Alley with an eye. <laughs> See what I did there? Yeah. Nope, didn't land it. Okay, Kerwin's tough today. Um, I heard you. She's. Uh, it. I heard you. It's. I'm looking at now. Now she's kind of in the two big franchise of the '80s and like I guess not really the '90s, but with uh, uh, Back to the Future and this now. When I kind of put it together, um, two famous actresses are connected to this role: Helen Hunt and Demi Moore, which I thought was interesting. I think Helen Hunt's still a little older for that. I don't know. I didn't do the math on what she would have been. But uh, they said Shu, from what I read, Shu basically got this role from her work on a Burger King commercial. <laughs> Interesting. Um, she actually was studying at Harvard at the time, and to do this movie, she had to actually pause that to film this, yeah, hmm. which is crazy, yeah. Um, it didn't take long to film this movie. I'll get into all that. But uh, um, the mother, I think, is Lucille, right? She's played by Randy Heller. Um, she ends up reprising her role in Cobra Kai. The only other girl that was connected to this was Valerie Harper, which I some movies that I've never heard of. I just wanted to bring up, though, how Machio is actually 22 in this movie. This girl playing her mother is only 14 years older. So it's kind of like, it's, I don't know, I guess Machio just has that baby face because I would have never thought they're only 14 years apart, you mm, know? Yeah. So, all right, getting into John Kreese. He's played by this guy, Martin Cove. Um, I couldn't find anything that was considered other than maybe Chuck Norris. Mm -hmm. But the problem is, I think that was a rumor that the fans just created. Um, they felt that Chuck Norris was offered the role, but passed the way um, martial arts was portrayed by his character. And Norris said that was never true, but if he was ever offered the role, he probably would have passed because of that. But, uh, but that was just basically kind of like uh, a fan theory that they made up. Um, getting into the Cobra Kai members, you have Bobby, Tommy, Dutch, and Jimmy. Um, Bobby is played by a guy named Ron Thomas. Tommy's played by Rob Garrison. Dutch is played by Chad McQueen. And Jimmy's played by Tony O'Dell. 
they didn't do too much other than Karate Kid 1 and 2 <laughs> because at the very beginning of it. But Dutch is played by Chad McQueen. Does that last name sound familiar? Steve McQueen. It's his, it's his son. Yeah. Yeah, isn't that crazy? That nice. um, I guess he was like, a, like not easy to work with on set. I guess there was like a couple scenes where he, I, I don't know. I mean, I, you look at him, he's kind of like, other than Johnny, like a villain in the movie, right? Which I'll get into one of my trashes. I wish they would have had more of a fight with him and LaRusso, but. Well, there was that scene in the locker room where he basically, yeah tries to stir up shit with uh, Daniel and I was like fuck points I want this no guy to get punched in the yeah. face real bad points or no points you're yeah. dead meat I love dead it you know? yeah. um, but I did save the best for last um, we got Mr. Miyagi played by Pat how do you say his name again I don't want to make Morita Morita okay um, he was not the first choice for this I believe from what I read the studio felt that his background in comedy was something that they didn't want a part of. And I think he's in Happy Days, correct? And also does stand-up comedies. Is there any other movies that he's in? He's in a few movies with Jay Leno. But, is he really? <laughs> yeah, but I think they're like some kind of weird low-budget stuff. Wow. Yeah. Um, they originally wanted a man by the name of Toshiro Mafun, I think is how you say it. Mifune. Um, Mifune, is that how you say it? Is it M-I-F-U-N-E? Yes. Mifune. Okay, Mifune. Um, he's done a bunch of serial martial arts movies in the 50s and 60s. He did audition, but I guess the casting people thought that his look and his demeanor was just too serious for the actual role. They end up giving it to Pat. He ended up having a stunt double. And I bring that up because he's in the movie quite a bit. He's actually, this is kind of a trash, the one actually doing the crane kick on the actual post at the beach. So mm. that's not Miyagi. It's, it's his stunt double. Um, I guess that Pat used uh, Fumio's uh, uh, attitude towards martial arts and the demeanor of him to create the character that you guys see on camera. And also, Pat didn't have much of a martial arts background, which kind of is intriguing. Um, he basically... That's why he required a stunt double, and he basically said he learned what he needed to learn for this movie, which kind of makes my whole childhood like a lie because he doesn't have that Japanese accent. He's not good at martial arts, and it's like, I, I don't know. How do you guys feel about, about all that? It's like we've been living a lie for the last 30 years. Well, I mean, he's an actor. He I did mean, a great job yeah, at he it. Did yeah. a great, yeah, he did yeah. a great job. I'll, I'll get know? into the scene of the drunken scene and all that stuff because that's a big thing. But yeah, you, you have this cast, you have the scripts. Um, they started filming. How long do you think it took to film this movie? Six weeks. You, you, so you already know, right? Yeah. No, that 40, was a guess. 47 days. 47 days. Yeah. They started on October 31st and they wrapped up December 16th. This is all in 1983. Damn. Yeah, so they literally got it done in 47 days. From what I read, according to IMDb, they kind of shot this movie in sequence of like the story, except for I think the beach scene that you see of the soccer and all that. I think they shot that first. Yeah, but you it's mean, kind of interesting how they where, did that. Where Daniel Larusso's friends bail on his ass yeah. as soon as he gets the yeah. shit kicked out of him. Holy fuck! That was then one you of see my him trashes. Yeah, you see him at the yeah. tournament later, like all cheering him on. Yeah, I'm like, right, where the fuck right. were you guys the whole movie? <laughs> Where to so, pick him, Frankie or whatever his name was, <laughs> Freddie. Yeah. Freddie. Freddie's a find this guy. Freddie's a bitch. Um, but this is this is a karate movie. Um, so getting into the kind of choreography of all that, there's a, and I didn't put him in the cast because I want to save it for this specific part. There's a guy named Pat Johnson. He's an actual bl black belt and was in Bruce Lee's Enter the Dragon. He also worked with um, uh, Chuck Norris as well. I feel like if he would have worked with Van Damme, he would have been the goat of all time, right? You know. But uh, uh, he uh, is actually the referee in the finals, the, 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 mm -hmm. the last four. Um, he is credited for doing the choreography of all that stuff. There's a guy that fights Johnny in the semis. I think his name is Daryl uh, Vidal. 
Um, it's very transparent. He's got a background of martial arts. Thank you. Yeah, he, he, I was watching. I'm like, this I'm like movie. how does Johnny beat this guy? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was like, like this, this guy, guy should win the tournament. this tournament. Yeah. Look at all the things that he's doing. With him, along with Ron Thomas, this is one of uh, of the Cobra Kai entourage guys. They actually had a background, and they were actually helping Pat with not only the choreography, but they actually kind of designed their own fights as well, which I think is kind of cool. But yeah, the, that guy, Daryl, like it's very clear he's the best out of all of them. Um, but with that being said, the fights that you see, there was actually more added that they cut out. So there was two actually more interactions, both at the school. One when LaRusso was just trying to uh, um, uh, have a drink of water and has an interaction with Johnny. Another one was in the uh, cafeteria and they both kind of play a prank on each other and it starts like a whole food fight. But I guess this movie runs over two hours. And so I guess with that, they were like, we're, we're short on time. They actually had to cut that out. So that's why you, you don't see those in there. Um, the ending, the ending that you see at number two was originally supposed to end that way in number one. But they felt that Daniel LaRusso being carried off by the fans would be a better ending. So they never shot that, so they just left it for number two. But they realized that they didn't want that to be the ending, so they ended up just ending with a smile on Miyagi's face. Mm-hmm. Which it's kind of it, goofy. It's well it is, and it's just like tell me you're kind of like engaged in the movie and all of a sudden it's like done. Like I, I just see family guy like done. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. Just walking away. And but, fade to black. <laughs> yeah. But uh but yeah that that's the movie. I, I'm glad they did not put number the the, the start of number two at the very end because I feel like I don't, I don't know. Do you think that would have fit? I yeah, mean, I mean, I think the movie did such a job, a good job building up to this final crescendo with the fight scene that having it end on, you know, a drunken, uh, yeah. what, what's his name? Crease. Crease. A yeah. drunken Crease beaten up on his students at the end would have just kind of killed the momentum of yeah. the movie. Mm-hmm. And, and then I think it does transition because Johnny does a good job at hey, I'm a villain, a villain, and he realizes I've lost, and it, he kind of, you're all right, LaRue. So I mean, I, I love that part of the movie. Whereas then you just see Crease as just being the bad guy, because now you're kind of, you're feeling bad for Johnny. I, I just, feel, I'm glad they left it at number two. Um, well, you're understanding the relationship. Yeah. But getting into the locations, they they filmed, I guess a lot of these locations are like still like kind of the exact same today, like the apartments that he lived in and so on. Um, the West Valley High School. I, that's what it's called in the movie. I don't know if that's the actual high school. Did anyone research that? I don't know. Um, Miyagi's house, though, which has a big part, that was actually demolished. Yeah, so that no mm-hmm. longer is there, which is weird because have you guys seen Cobra Kai? I know Jason has. They, they actually recreate it, right? And it kind of looks similar, right? Oh, I mean, I want to like go back and look at it, but I guess like that house was like just full of like weeds and stuff. And so what you saw on camera, the way they did the architecture and the background of the pond and all that stuff, they created all that. But uh, it was kind of like a hidden uh, gem. No one knew the true location. And like actually fans went on like a search of trying to find it, which they eventually did. But that house eventually was demolished. I mean, this is, the movie was 30 years ago. But did uh, they say it was a parking lot? It might be a parking lot now. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. But uh, but I guess like 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 the the houses that are Ali's parents and all that stuff, like like they all look similar. I think even the hotel, I think they're kind of going off. This was the karate kid, you know, and so they have like the actual same sign, I think. I mean, I didn't go look at it, but it's kind of cool. But uh, but you have this movie, but this movie does not do the success that it has unless you have a soundtrack, right? So I want to get into the soundtrack. Um, The main song 
Um, again, how do you guys say his name? Espositos? Yeah. Yeah, Joe Espositos, you're the best. This was not originally for this movie, which I'm pretty sure you guys read. It was originally for Rocky Three, which uh, if you listen to the words, what I was reading, like history repeats, it's, it's supposed to go along with the fight scene. I don't know. Um, they did not obviously go with that. They went with Eye of the Tiger for Rocky Three. And then this got this this song, which I kind of think is a win-win for both. What do you guys think? I mean, I'm glad it went the way it did, you know? Can you imagine Rocky Three with... I don't know. No. You're the best around a great song for Karate Kid. It is. Yeah. But I don't... I can't see, like, Clover Lang, like, beating no. up on Stallone, and you have the best... I don't know. I just It would yeah. be kind of cheesy. Because then you're like, who's the best? <laughs> who, who are we talking about here? Like, so the winner, who, the who did the best sing, around. Who did sing Eye of the Tiger? It was Survivor, right? They actually still have a song on this actual soundtrack. Um, that's the one of the moment of truth. So they actually mm. still had a song on there. There are two songs that I really love that are not on the soundtrack. So Cruel Summer is not credited on the soundtrack. It's clearly in the movie, but it's not on the soundtrack. And there's another one that I really like. It's called um, The Ride by Matches. It's when the dirt bikes are going down with Johnny and all them. Um, they actually reprise it in uh, Cobra Kai. That's not credited on there either, which I don't know. What, what is the reason why they wouldn't have these on the soundtrack? I don't... Is it... I mean, if you, you have to pay for the rights to have it on there. So why is it not on there? I don't get it. Like... I don't know. It could be something something about money. They don't want yeah. Simple as the band not allowing them yeah. to put on the soundtrack. I don't know. So, but yeah, that's that's the soundtrack, and that's kind of what I have. But I have a bunch of fun facts. I don't know if you have anything else to add to that. I have fun facts. So so, you go first. Yeah, I got some fun facts and fill in the the yellow car that you guys see that Larusso, the actual director gave Machio that car as like a gift after filming, and he still has today, and he actually brought it up in Cobra Kai. So that's mm-hmm. kind of cool. He still has that. Um, going into some of the fight scenes the Halloween scene um, they have a spin kick that Johnny Lawrence does on Daniel LaRusso they actually he actually kicked Ralph Macchio and like actually hurt him from there Mm. and then with that being said there was also problems between uh, Miyagi's uh, stunt double with him hurting all of the guys that they had so they had to stop and he had to give the director advice let me use my stunt guys and you'll get this in one take which is eventually what happens the reason why I'm saying this we just watched this this morning and I was watching you can kind of see the difference now that it's not Miyagi and it's a kind of a couple different guys but uh, but yeah that was uh, kind of something that happened on that the drunken scene that you see Miyagi in which I think is a treasure he, he does a great job at acting in this they actually wanted to cut that out when I say they the studio but the director and Pat were like no you got to keep it in and he actually credits this scene alone which I didn't put this up there do you guys know that he was nominated for an Oscar for this movie yeah. and he credits this scene alone yeah wow. yeah he did not win but he was he was he was given a, a nomination yeah but uh, with that um, in real life Machio Zabka and Cove Chris, uh, Johnny, and um, Daniel, they're actually still good friends in real life and hang out. I think that's why Cobra Kai has made like the push that it did. Um, but speaking of Zabka, he actually developed a backstory of Johnny, which I think shows in Cobra Kai. It doesn't show it in this movie that he is basically f- has a f- no father in his life and Kreese is the closest thing to it and that's kind of where you have their relationship um, it doesn't explain that in this movie I think it kind of does in Cobra Kai but but Zabka did this all on his own um, Kerwin I'm going to come to you on this one I guess there is a Karate Kid superhero in the DC universe 
Did you know about that? Yeah, I saw like something brief on Wikipedia, but I didn't dive too deep so into it. I, I guess they needed permission from DC in order to actually have the title. And then with that, they actually thank DC in their credits. I think they thanks to DC Comics or something like that. I, I haven't actually looked at it. Um, and another fun fact about this, I guess Daniel LaRusso is in every scene of this movie. If you look at it, unless you take out just the car scenes, I don't think he's actually in the car when they're traveling from Jersey, but every scene he's in this movie, which is pretty impressive, you know? And then Jason, I think you'll like this. His apartment complex is only one mile from John Connor's house in T2. I was reading that too. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know who the grandma was? No. Beginning scene no. when they first move into the apartment. No. Oh, that's she's in um, Happy Gilmore. Mm-hmm. She's also in a couple Fairly Brother movies. Farley. Uh, Kingpin, Farley. Yeah, the the girl that's on the the little chair. She says from Jersey. I can tell. That was Happy's grandmother. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my yeah. god! Yeah. No way. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, I, Jason, do you have any more fun facts? Just some really really goofy ones. Just a couple because you kind of went over everything I had. But I was always curious about the fly. Did you read that thing? So I, I read, I, I didn't bring it up, but we can't, they, they did it on fishing lines, right? Yeah. And all they did was, yeah, that's all I read about just it. The crew members just moving around. That's so all it was. That's all it was. <laughs> yeah. all They're it not was. really catching fucking flies in this. <laughs> um, I know you've talked about riding like, you know, BMX, you know, when you were younger, and I'm sure a lot of us did at some point, but Daniel's bike is that, that mongoose. And I heard that helped the mongoose sales, correct? Yeah, like I was always a, a dino or a, a GT guy back in the day, so I hated mongoose. They were kind of like the rivalries, but I heard this movie alone like catapulted the, the whole brand of mongoose. There was yeah. also that Halloween scene where he's wearing the shower costume. Right. And if you look at the scene prior to that, you'll see it in the backdrop. Of Miyagi, because he says his, his friend made it, and I, I always assume, but it kind of shows when he's talking to him before. Yeah, it's behind yeah. Miyagi hanging up on yeah. the wall. I didn't know that Zabka is actually a green belt too, so he actually has karate experience prior to this movie yeah. too. So, um, which makes sense. And then the last thing I have, it's not really a fun fact, but it's kind of goofy. I always think it's funny how Miyagi says Danielson. I mean, it's just. It's like a household name now, right. I feel like, because of the movie. But I guess, I don't know if you read this too, but the, the son is like reference to like Mr. or Sir or like someone that has like mastered a skill. So it's really like supposed to be a slight towards Daniel, calling him Daniel's son. Like he's yeah. not a master of karate whatsoever. He's a, little, he's a kid. Right. So he calls him. I just thought that was kind of goofy. I think that's it. Cool. Uh, now let's get on to uh, Trash and Treasure. Jordan, I, I gotta prepare myself. I always love Jordan's trash or treasures. This is <laughs> this is great. Jordan, tell us what you got. Okay, so as I kind of uh, explained in the beginning, you know, I have a lot of fond memories of watching this movie with uh, my dad. So I will say up front that I definitely rewatched this movie through rose-tinted glasses. So. It was a little bit of a struggle to kind of come up with some trashes, uh, so these are kind of a, a far reach. But here we go. Mr. Miyagi, you're gifting a kid you've known all of two months a vintage car on his 16th birthday. Are you <laughs> fucking nuts? Did you not even bother to think about his mom in this situation? Are you going to pay the insurance for that car? What about the gas? She's not even a restaurant manager yet. And I didn't see him getting a job in this movie. Did any of you? Is he like being groomed or something? But see, I don't know if he looked that. Because remember, he, he let him drive even without a license. Yeah, and he liquored him up too. Not the most responsible mentor here, okay? 
so that was a little bit ridiculous. And speaking of drinking, who the fuck starts drinking and hanging all over somebody else's car at the beach? Which one of those redneck douchebags was like, oh, hey, an old vintage truck in some decent condition. That would make the perfect setting for today's beach box social. Let's go. And then only to be scared away by the karate chopping of uh, three bottles off the the fender of the tire. I mean, good Lord. Last one is uh, actually second to last one is uh, Johnny taking that headband look a little too far. Yeah, you know, yeah, you think he wears that thing to church too? In fact, you know, we see him wear it all the time. With I think two exceptions. One is the country club, and he looks weird. It's awkward. And, right? and yeah. He's got that imprint. It is like permanently imprinted around his hair. And the only other time that we see him without the headband on. Don't be jealous. <laughs> the fucking tournament. <laughs> the one place where that headband would be useful to keep the sweat out of his eyes. <laughs> Apparently that shit's not regulation. <laughs> except it is because we see Daniel wearing a headband. <laughs> so, uh, and then one, one last one is <laughs> the mom leaving the 1980s IT world to go run a restaurant in California. Talk about, oops. Uh, <laughs> oops. That's like... <laughs> Hey, I have some apple stock. Do you want some? No, thanks. I'm going all in on Bennigan's. <laughs> I told that joke to my wife last night, and she's like, I don't know what Bennigan's is. And I'm like, fucking exactly. <laughs> so those, uh, those are my trashes. Um, let's get on to my, my treasures. Uh, you know, even though I joked about Mr. Miyagi grooming Daniel, <laughs> the bond of friendship between an older generation and a younger generation um, was very much a, a treasure in this movie. It's also seen in another 80s movie between Doc Brown and Marty, which is, you know, my favorite movie. I think these days it's really easy to kind of brush off others from another generation uh, as not understanding or don't know what we have to go through or anything like that. And it's really kind of heartwarming to rewatch a movie that highlights a multi-generational friendship. Another treasure is the martial arts. So today you have movies like Shang-Chi or John Wick where the fighting is really like over the top and theatrical and I thought that Karate Kid did a really good job showcasing a fight with two capable people that have decent training. And anybody who's been in a real fight knows that you don't really have time for those flourishes or theatrics. They're quick, they're down and dirty, and they usually don't go longer any uh, any longer than like two punches. Um, and then my last treasure, and this there's like a, a warning or you know a sign from this. As, as ridiculous as this sounds, a treasure of mine is the bullying in this movie. Now let me be clear: bullying in any form is wrong, and I don't condone it. But I love the fact that. Back in the day, in the 80s, in the 90s, something like that, if somebody had a problem with you, they came and told you to your face before they threw hands. You knew who had the problem and what they what they didn't like about you. And unlike today, where people will just hide behind a keyboard and right. a veil of anonymity. Um, let me try that one again. Uh, where people will hide behind a keyboard and a veil of anonymity. So... Anonymity. Fuck you, Kerwin. <laughs> I'm trying to help you out. Bro. No, I got you. No, thank you. Uh, we'll just say, uh, unlike today, where people hide behind a keyboard and a veil of anonymity. Thank you, Kerwin. Um, 
So yeah, those are uh, those are uh, my trashes and treasures. All right, uh, my trash and treasure, um, like the whole ADR thing. This is a trash. Like at the very beginning, it's just like we filmed some of the movie, and then we're like, oh shit, should we actually show them driving from you know uh, the East Coast to LA? And then they just said, you know, let's just shoot a bunch of shots of a car going back, and then we'll bring a, we'll bring a, you know mom and son back to the studio to just narrate what the fuck's happening. It just kind of felt like an afterthought. Um, one thing I don't think we brought this up in behind the scenes, but did you know that there's a full rehearsal cut of this movie on YouTube? No. Yeah, like uh, we were watching it last night and uh, Fernando pulled up a, a video on YouTube and it's literally like, I think it's two hours long almost and it is shot for shot the Karate Kid movie with all the actors but in rehearsal. So like you see uh, Daniel painting the fence but he's not holding anything but you still see Pat Morita showing him how to, to paint. Um, like you have, uh, you know, people's wardrobes are different. They're even doing the thing where he pulls the, the bike off the, the bike rack on, on the station wagon when they get there. So there's a full ass version of Karate Kid that is literally just rehearsal, which is insane. Yeah. But yeah, but this this just reminded me of that. It's just kind of like we did the whole movie and now we gotta ADR it, I don't know. But um, I feel like sometimes the, the soundtrack uh, can be a little abrupt with the changes. Like, uh, you know, when Daniel first makes Eyes at Alley on the beach and then like this love song just kicks in out of nowhere. And then within 20 seconds, uh, when Johnny and his boys show up on the dirt bikes on the beach, we get another, like another quick abrupt like soundtrack change. So I kind of feel like, you know, fade that in a little bit, you know, maybe maybe edit those a little better, but I just kind of felt like it's just so jarring to hear that music out of nowhere. Um, you know, that's one of my treasures. I love that part too. <laughs> yeah, like um, you know, another trash. Just you know, none of this would have happened if Ali would have just talked to Johnny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, he's, he he tried to talk to her and she just wouldn't have it. And uh, you know, she just she just would not let him have an a you know an an honest adult conversation. I was thinking the same thing. I had something very similar, but I put if Daniel just would not have picked up the boombox. Yep. No movie done. Yeah. No movie. Nothing would have happened. Yeah. Like he didn't. He didn't want to. He didn't want to fight him. He's just like, hey, you got involved in my shit, and and that's it. Also, bro, like you're. I, I get it. You know, you want to stand up for what's right and shit. I, I get it. You're a good person, Daniel, which is one of my treasures. But like, it's like, bro, you you're from like a totally different coast. You're in a new town. This dude is practically in a pseudo gang and you're gonna go up against all these people and your boy Freddy, which is a piece of shit, like leaves you hanging. Like be smart. Just don't get involved in that shit. Like be smart. But anyway, um Freddie sucks. Um <laughs> Freddie sucks. And sucks. Friend of all time. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's the worst. Um and then one major thing is just like why the fuck after Johnny forces himself on Allie, do her parents ask Johnny if he's okay? He, he forces himself on her. She pushes him away. She says, don't you ever do that again. And then uh, she like slaps him or punches him or whatever and then runs off. And then her parents, her mom puts her hand on Johnny's shoulder and is like, oh my God, Johnny, are you okay? She like mouths it. And I'm like, did y'all not just see what happened? Like this boy like fucking like damn near sexually assaulted your daughter. Like what the I, fuck? I did see that. Yeah, that, that always like weirded me out. Do you think the parents were aware that they're no longer seeing each other because even the dad, when he's dancing with Allie, he's like, trouble, you, two lovebirds, you yeah. two lovebirds, trouble in paradise, something like that. I feel like the parents were in denial just in general because uh, Danny was the poor kid from the wrong side of the tracks and Johnny fit the part. And so regardless, the parents were going to push for her to be with Johnny. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't Especially know. the whole scene where 
the car doesn't start in front of me. <laughs> like, that's like, oh, I love like they, that. That is a bad they, one. they have that look like this is the last time you're going out with her. <laughs> yeah. Him, yeah. And then uh, I just kind of feel like, you know, speaking of, you know, that scene in the mom, I kind of feel like, uh, you know, mom disappears in the second half of the movie. Yeah. I kind of feel like, you know, she shows up at the tournament or whatever, but I feel like she's such an integral part to that first part. Um, you know, always, always, you know, caring about her son, asking him, you know, how his day is going, asking him about Allie. You know, they even go out to, to lunch together. Um, when he comes home after getting pushed down the hill, she's the first person that he sees and she, you know, she takes him inside. And I just kind of feel like at the second half, I mean, I think after after he gets his bike fixed, uh, mom sort of just disappears, right? And I kind of wish she would have been there more, like maybe during the training, maybe she's also at the beach watching her son train, maybe around the complex or she visits Miyagi, like what is her relationship like with Miyagi? You know what I'm saying? Like I feel like for, for being the adult uh, in the first half of the movie, I kind of feel like, you know, we can taper her off a little bit and focus more on the relationship with this boy and uh, Miyagi. But I kind of feel like, I think the mom deserves a little more screen time and we should be able to understand how she feels about this whole situation. Because um, one of my treasures is I like that moment where Daniel is like, I hate this place. I can't believe you brought me here. You didn't even ask me if I wanted to come before we came here. And one of my favorite moments is like, she stops in the heat of the moment and she says, you know what? You're right. I should have asked you. And, and I appreciate that because I feel like a lot of people in general, no matter what their relationships are with each other, whether it's you know, family, friends, et cetera, professional, not a lot of people are able to do that. So I appreciated that little moment in there where she acknowledges like, yeah, you know, I may have caused you a lot of bullshit by just dragging you out here. I never asked you what you wanted to do. Right. You know what I'm saying? So I, I appreciate the mom and I wish she got a little more shine in the second half. Maybe I missed it, but okay, so it's Daniel's birthday, and Mr. Miyagi makes the cake and whatever, gives him the car and the whole deal, right? And But before he gives him the car in between that, doesn't he say, oh, shoot, I totally forgot my mom was making me this special cake or whatever? Yep. And he's like, oh, Miyagi's like, oh, I had a mother too, I understand, you need to get going. He's like, surprise number two is out. And then they never go back to that. Doesn't he take the car? He right takes to the Allie? car and yeah. goes to Alley, yeah. and, yeah. and, and we never, never touch on it yeah. again. Never see Mama. Like, does, yeah. does the mom? Do we get any sort of indication that the mom even knows Daniel's training for the martial arts competition? No, because the last time we see her is after he gets pushed down the hill. She knows Miyagi. She knows that Daniel's hanging out there. Yeah. But other than that, like once the karate training actually begins, like we never see her yeah. ever. That's so weird. Yeah, I, I think she needed to be a little I mean, other more. Other than her just being at the tournament, right? And I think yeah. she's at the, just the final match. I think that's it. Yeah, I don't, that's it. I think, yeah, she's yeah. not there. Yeah. You, yeah. See her, you see her uh, at the semifinal um, when he gets his leg busted. Oh, that's right. And then she's in the locker room, and then she's at the final match. But, like, other than that, like, she has almost no dialogue, and she's just not relevant. And I, you know, once again... Put her in a little more. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, at least have her show up to Miyagi's home and being like, "Oh, here you are, and what do you, what are you up to?" Yeah, yeah. So that would have been cool. Um, treasure, um, other treasures. Uh, the shirt that Freddie's wearing at the beginning. It's got two pigs fucking on it, and it says "Making Bacon." <laughs> <laughs> I did not notice. Yeah, that. like go back, go back and watch it and look at his shirt. That's how you know he's a piece of shit. I, no, I, <laughs> I had high hopes for Freddie when he's first introduced because he not only gets a door kicked in his face, then he immediately helps Daniel with his luggage to his new apartment and invites him to a plugging him party. into the social exactly. environment. Yeah. All within five minutes yeah. of, of meeting Daniel. And again, getting a door kicked in his face. Yeah. 
And then, I mean, all goodwill, right down the tube, when he's just like, yeah, you got your ass kicked, deuces. Yeah, that's... Daniel had a good shirt on, too, underneath. What did he have? It said, no more Mr. Nice Guy. Uh, underneath his button up. Uh, that's when he first got there? Yeah. Okay, yes. got you. Um, and then, you know, just the little tidbits that, you know, Miyagi's given Daniel throughout the movie. There's a whole bunch of uh, quotables, but one that stuck out to me is when he says, uh, you know, to make honey, young bee needs young flower, you know, not an old prune. <laughs> and we cut to the, uh, the dance and like Ali <laughs> runs right up to him and says, help me, help me. My flower needs water. And I I'm didn't just, even put that together. Like, I bet it does. <laughs> I bet it does. Anyway, uh, and then Daniel, I like I like that Daniel overall is just a good dude. He's not like a like a crappy cocky asshole. Like he's just a new guy in a new area that saw some shit go down and decided to help. And unfortunately, he got roped into a bunch of bullshit. Like he was. What is he? Okay, I, I would say he has the best intentions, but yeah, he his communication skills are not that great at yeah. all, especially when it comes to Ali. Like and he, he's, a, he's a little short yeah. fuse. Yeah, he's got he's got a temper, but he's yeah. not a bad guy. He's not a bad guy. Yeah. No, no, not at all. Yeah, like that, I wouldn't have started the fight on the soccer field if you're the new guy when he got tripped because he he literally instigated that fight. It was a foul. I get it, and they're picking on him, but he threw punches to the head. Right? I mean, yeah. and he gets kicked off, and this school sucks, man. I'm like, dude, what are you doing, man? You can't fight a guy. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, you know, but yeah, yeah, and you know, in a typical movie you would see Johnny as the protagonist this guy that came from like an asshole camp of karate students and then he meets you know Miyagi and then he has to face his old his old team or something like that like I kind of feel like that would be like the standard you know coming of age nowadays uh, but just a couple of major things um, I think one of the best quotes in, in the series is um, you know no bad student only bad teacher uh, you know this movie is all about where people come from their circumstances and how they were taught and how they were raised you know uh, talking about what you said earlier uh, Jordan about the multi-generational relationships mm -hmm. um, I like that the conflict also has to deal with relationships as well uh, it's a it's really about two different teachers and there are differing philosophies and all about you know uh, how people are raised and brought up and where they come from and you know that's reflected in you know the two rival characters Daniel and Johnny you know Cobra Kai is all about attack yelling being in battle in an expensive gym, you know. While meanwhile, Miyagi teaches the complete opposite, utilizing real life moments to teach and at home. Um, you know, Cobra Kai's leader is a big, tall, screaming dude dressed in all black. Miyagi is much shorter, more soft spoken, and he wears light colors. Uh, Cobra's leader is a Vietnam War vet, and Miyagi served in World War II. Uh, and I think there are certain connotations when you list those wars as far as what the merits of those may have been. And I'm not saying this to make any sort of judgments, but I think certain certain wars are held in a certain regard, depending on what age you were at that time or how you felt at that time. So I think using those uh, two separate, two different conflicts as a way to kind of uh, dress our characters is also pretty clever as well. Um, each teacher, they kind of drop their own tidbits of real world knowledge, that all makes sense. But Cobra Kai is more focused on aggression and eliminating the enemy, you know, with violence as the first solution. And strike first. Strike first. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, Miyagi's is all about interpersonal, interpersonal and psychological growth, you know, using violence only as a final solution. So I, I did. I think um, I love that most about this movie, that it's it's all about these two guys and everything that's come before them. And it's really about the conflict of 
the the ways that these two are quote unquote raised you know daniel's kind of you know he, he's not got a lot of money you know he's not the best dressed kid whatever he comes from a single parent home johnny's probably a rich kid at the country club etc so uh, i do like that um and then you know one of the last things um I also like that this movie takes a little time to establish Miyagi as a character himself, giving him a little backstory, even if it's just for a short moment. Um, I'm actually glad to hear that they like fought to keep that in the movie, yeah. Because um, you know you don't want him to just be an accessory, you know, to to this kid. Um, so I did I did appreciate that, and um, Ali shouting, "You're the best!" and then the song immediately starts playing. It's so great, man. Yeah. It's so great. So, um, and then like you said, Jordan, fighting. Fighting is great in this movie. Um, like, I actually felt like there were real hits being thrown, people getting thrown to the mat. Oh, no, there was real hits. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like, um, everything shot wider. Yeah. yeah, like a, like in a Jackie Chan film, like a lot of the Hong Kong films, things are shot wider, so you can see what the hell's happening with each round of each match. But uh, yeah, that's pretty much it for me. That's my trash and treasure. Uh, Lindy, what is yours? I, I guess I'll first start out with Johnny's sidekick friends. She. I just him. didn't like them. I don't know. From a girl's standpoint, the one guy had like the bleached out hair and it was growing out. The one friend had like the two buck front teeth. I she, apologize. So she's a dental hygienist. She's picking I, at their teeth. But I'm looking at the era. Like I had the biggest crush on Johnny, even okay. though he was a villain. He was like the California beach surf guy with like the bleached out hair, like typical all girls like that kind of guy. Yeah. But his friends just didn't like hold it up. They just were not like... You know, you at least have a few friends you can choose from. He had zero. Yeah. It was just Johnny. Especially at the tournament, too. They're, like, all yelling hysterically and just, yeah, yeah they just seemed like yeah. annoying and fucks. I, and I felt yeah. like his friends really kind of hyped it up and kind of pushed yeah. him to yeah. do things yeah. that were, you know, maybe not as kind. Um, you didn't then, even, you didn't like Bobby? No. <laughs> was Bo- Bobby was, like, the one decent one, right? He was the one who, like... Wasn't he the he, cat? Maybe, he uh, attacked the knee on purpose I, and was disqualified. Yeah. And yeah. he was the one that... be disqualified, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. he was like... And then when he did it to Daniel, he got down. He's like, I'm so sorry. I, I you know, I'm so sorry. Like, well, who's I think, the guy? He's not the one that says, put him in a body bag. No. That's the other guy. No. Here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and he's also the one that's like, he's had enough. Like, yeah. he's the same dude. He was yeah. like the one voice of reason in that I, in that I guess group. you're right, yeah. I feel like it took a lot to lead up to the voice of reasoning because his friends really instigated a lot from the get-go. Like from the scene where Danny's at the restaurant talking to his mom and they're on the corner and they come out of the karate studio and then they come back. You know, there's like multiple scenes where that happens. Um, And then I guess, you know, you you recognize that the movie um, displays how teenagers kind of are. Like Kerwin mentioned, you know, you have the kid that moved from New Jersey to California, East Coast versus West Coast. It's totally different culture, different time. Um, It's really hard to fit in. I think uh, what I looked at too is that Danny was in high school. Like that's gotta be a really hard time of your life and transition to come into a high school and fit in and to be like the poor kid. And I think the movie really uh, shows right off the bat that it's rich kids versus poor kids. You have the Valley kids or what do they call them? The hills, the hills, hills. hills. Yeah. yeah. And he just was never going to fit in from the get-go. 
Um, so that kind of bothered me a little bit. Um, and the fact that he was constantly uh, bullied. I think the other thing, too, was his friend. That bothered me a lot. Like Freddie. You guys, Freddie. Freddie's yeah. an asshole. Because he befriended him, like, right off the get-go. And, like, right away, you're like, cool, he has friends. He got invited to this party. The first party he goes to, I mean, he's getting beat up. And you see Freddie in the background, like, like, yeah, get him. And he's, like, all about it. But the minute he's on the ground, he's like, sorry, bro, tough break. See you later. You would, think, like- <laughs> you would think Freddie and his entourage would be like, hey, dude, don't mess with those guys. Like, give Daniel yeah. some sort of, like, they're, they're dicks. Just leave them alone. You know, don't bother with that. That's the, the drama in high school of Allie and Johnny, you know. Like, so, like, like, yeah, get him. Where'd you find this guy? Yeah. <laughs> like, assholes, dude. So I guess the trash of it is, is that I felt like... I flip-flopped back and forth watching it, you know? I guess, like, as a kid, you watched it, and as a child, I, I, I felt for Danny, and I was like, oh my gosh, like, he's the victim, and, you know, he's just the good guy trying to, like, make it work, and, you know, this is this, all these things that are occurring, and then Johnny's, like, the spoiled rich kid that's just being a punk. But you kind of look at it now, like, as an adult, and I kind of feel like Johnny brought on a lot of, or not, excuse me, not Johnny, but Danny brought on a lot of stuff um, yeah. In terms of mm-hmm. things that occurred to him, he. Brought- I think Jason's explanation of a short fuse is a great just analysis of his character. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I felt like a lot of times he lowered himself to their level on multiple occasions, like the shower scene. Um, after the he, like, he brought that on himself. Oh yeah, yeah. totally oh, yeah. brought that on himself. Yeah. I mean, you go into the bathroom, you see that he's in there. I mean, I get there's an opportunity, but you also know that they, they, they carry by numbers. It's like you versus five of them. Yeah. So like on any just logical level, like I, I, I kind of would have reevaluated the scenario and been like, yeah, it's probably not a good time. <laughs> yeah. And then I also recognize in that moment too, that like he ditched Allie, like that was their time. Like she's like, I haven't seen you. And he, you know, and he's explaining and they're having this whole moment in the shower. <laughs> and then the next thing you know, he's like, see, that's why we have a girl on this because I never know. <laughs> That. I'm like, yeah, what a dick. You could have like, like, had the girl, totally but you wanted to get revenge. Yes, <laughs> totally. And then that's where it leads to the scene where he gets completely beat up. And I'm like, well, you kind of brought it on yourself. Do you think that, and this is just me putting this out there, like, do you think she is kind of instigating in any way when she's talking about like he'll get his and then Danny specifically? Or, yeah, oh, it's he, coming around. Yeah, it's coming yeah. around. Like, do you th- do you? Th- it's not her responsibility at all. Right. Number one, it's Daniel's responsibility. But do you think she could have been a little more upfront about like, hey, like you got to stop fucking with these guys? Like, yes, yeah. yes. And 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 that's where I kind of led into um, just like Danny and Allie's relationship. Like, I feel like. Yes, genuinely, there could be a relationship that um, evolves, right? Like, you know, the guy that's maybe not as rich dating the, you know, rich girl on the south side of the tracks, whatever. But um, I think what was just more embarrassing, which you guys mentioned, was the fact that, you know, Johnny's mom picks her up from the house. There's a whole scene with the parents. He kicks the block off the wall right there. And the parents automatically are judging, where are you from? Where do you live? And then they have to, like, push the car to jumpstart it. And, and then it leads up to the scene where um, I feel like, is he a rebound? Like at, at this point, she mentions to Danny, hey, we've been broken up for a couple weeks. We're not together. He's like, well, what's a couple weeks? And so my thought is, is, is she using him as a rebound? I never even looked And is he way. being put in these positions as, you know, that guy just for, I don't know, for her? I don't know. You, I, don't, I, I never don't know. looked at it that way. <laughs> like, uh, you know, I think... I mean, does she feel sorry for him? Is he a rebound? You know, she is popular. 
Yeah. Or does she really genuinely kind of feel like I've been with like the cool kid? Let's try something new. So, if I may, um, yeah, I th- I think again using air quotes, love at that <laughs> that age is is very fleeting, you know. And kids or young adults are more inclined to you know bounce back and forth or or change it up. I mean, I remember my first girlfriend was in kindergarten, and. <laughs> Wait, how old are you? I was. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You can leave that one in. (laughs) Um, No, I was in kindergarten too. And I I showed up one day and this girl, she came up and I don't think I ever talked to her before. She's like, you're my boyfriend. And I'm like, sweet, awesome, great. And then at lunchtime, she's like, we're broken up. I was like, okay, (laughs) them's the breaks. Damn. So, um, but yeah, I just think, I, I just think, you know, young love, you kind of bounce back and forth a little bit more. So I would say really, those are like my trashes. trashes from like a girl's standpoint. You know, we are always looking at the love story behind the movie, but I love the karate scenes. I love all the fighting scenes. Um, I think my biggest treasures were just like, are you on treasure now? Yeah. Cool. All my treasures. Uh, Mr. Miyagi. I appreciate that they give a little bit of a backstory with him. Um, as you mentioned, Kerwin, his mom's like there, and then all of a sudden she's not. But what I, I feel like they really tried to focus on the movie was that uh, Danny was struggling. Obviously, there wasn't a father figure in his life. Uh, Mr. Miyagi, if I recall, his family had died, right? He was married and he had a child. And then something had occurred, and so therefore he was. No, Did he have a child? I felt no. I, so no. no okay. His uh, his wife died died during childbirth, and okay. uh, oh, she was, was she was at an internment camp, and they wouldn't treat her uh, at the internment camp because she was Japanese, and then she ended up dying as a result. Of yeah, that. as a result of that. So I felt like for him, you know, as much as he was hesitant in the beginning to really show Danny things or to want to train him or whatnot. Um, he showed him kindness through other things and such as like fixing the bike, the bonsai stuff. But, um, I, I, and Mr. Miyagi had said a quote here. He said, not everything as it seems when I think Danny had asked him a question and he was just like, well, everything isn't as it seems. Right. So, and I just felt like, um, Mr. Miyagi was a really good, just role model and a teaching figure to him. Father, father figure too, a, which a is huge what he lacked. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, which is what he lacked, and so I really appreciated that. Um, he did take on the father role, teaches him about patience, focuses on the meaning of life, and and the purpose behind that. And then Mr. Miyagi also said, uh, which I really liked when he was teaching him how to initially to fight. Obviously, he was showing him. You're gonna wax on, wax off. You're gonna like, you know, wash these cars. You're gonna do this no before I even yeah. like show you. So he had said, I say you, you do, no questions. Um, and then he wanted him to better better learn balance. Balance is key, balance is good. Yeah. So those were just some of the like. So you just quotes. like Miyagi's philosophy. I, I did, and I, I thought it, I, And I thought it was great. And I thought as a whole, it, it kind of shows us as kids, like Kerwin said, you kind of live in this culture as a kid where, you know, you have bullies, you have good guys, you have bad guys. And as kids, we have to kind of go through these things in life. And you know, it's good versus evil. Um, but I also felt like Johnny, or excuse me, Danny wasn't always the victim. He was sometimes the villain. So I yeah. feel like they played off each other very well. Balance. Yes, there was a good balance. All right. Mugga, 
What's your trash and treasure? I'm going to start with trash. Um, I thought the tension not only between Danny and Johnny, but Danny, and his name is Dutch, the guy that's uh, Steve McQueen's son. Mm. Um, they, he, 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 he basically instigates some points or no points, you're dead meat. And you have the montage, which is great, by the way. But they have this fight, and they only exchange each one point. I, I wish they would have gone more into that fight. Like, I really feel like that was, like, it's almost like the Bulls beating the Pistons to get to the championship. Like, get over this guy, then you can get to Johnny. I, I don't know. Like, I just feel like it was very, very half-assed, so I didn't like that. Um, I don't like getting the soundtrack that the Cruel Summer and my my one of my favorite songs under the ride is not on the actual soundtrack because I wouldn't buy it. Unfortunately, to buy it, you still can't get Joe Esposito's "You're the Best," and I don't have Apple Music because I don't. I, but I want to buy that song. You have to buy his whole album, which is a trash to me. He will not just sell the song individually. I think I might be able to help you with that. Okay, can you get it to me? Because Jason and I want to make like an all-time '80s and '90s workout mix with Rocky Four. Um, I think we have this song. We also have what Bloodsport. <laughs> we yeah. have Over the Top, right? Yeah. Um, but anyways, um, yeah, I'll take a copy of that. <laughs> you guys I know it's made in 1983. Kerwin, you talked about it. The voiceovers, especially in the car, but they're just very, very obvious that it's just like, like there's times where you could tell they didn't get the sound they wanted and then they voice over. It kind of reminds me that, okay, you're watching a movie when I'm all engaged in the story. Um, the This is a weird thing. I think that Allie meets LaRusso again at the soccer field. They're all on cloud nine. She goes back and she does this awkward cheer kick. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Yes. It's, it's cringeworthy. I laugh yes. uncomfortably every time. I'm like, what is she doing? You know, like, it's really weird. And, but what's, I guess, weird is that she's very athletic. I guess she's a very good soccer player. Did not show it in that kick. She was horrible. Um, the other thing that I didn't like, the skeleton part that they're running and they trip. If you guys notice, they did put in like a little skeleton bones crashing sound. There's no no reason to do that. So watch it again. And now I can't unhear it. I hate it. Like, so when they get tripped, right? And so they all fall. You hear like these bones crackling because obviously they're in a skeleton costume. Is that Allie's tripping them? I think That's it was. Yeah. I don't know. If it, was it Allie that tripped them? Yeah, she tripped them. Um, and I'm surprised you guys did not bring this up because I... Allie's friend. She is a bitch. Dude, just an absolute bitch for no reason. How do you think she sprained her hand? You know, you're like, dude, the guy literally like has a reason to be upset right now, you know? And then she also like condescendingly, what kind of bike do you ride? Oh, he he rides a bicycle, (laughs) you know? Like, like, I don't know. She's just a a flat out bitch, you know? She told Daniel to like, ugh, drop dead. Yeah, just, I I just, I hate her. Like, like, uh, I don't know. Anyways, but that, I mean, again, like Jordan, you're saying, I really had to reach for some of my trashes. Getting in the treasure, um, I think this movie does a great job at character development. Like, it's not like you're just assuming things. Like, they literally show whether it's Miyagi, Daniel, the mom, um, Johnny, his relation. I mean, I, I don't know. I really like that. I have to get credit to, to Miyagi or Pat Moretta's skills. Um, for the longest time, I thought he was Japanese and great at karate, but in reality, he's not any of those. Like, I mean, he is Japanese, but he doesn't speak that way and all that. So it kind of sucks on that. Um, I love the soundtrack, the motorcycle scene, but uh, uh, there's a scene where he's talking about Ali with his mom. This is a weird treasure of mine. It's just one shot, right? And you see in this window in the background, the Cobra Kai's, and they can't hear what's going on because I did research about this. 
they don't have permits or anything to shut down that street. So what you're seeing outside is live going on. They're dodging cars and it's so perfectly timed that they're never looking at the guys realizing Danny's right there. We're going to push him off his bike or mess with him. And the minute they both look, the mom and him both look over to the karate or the Kobukai dojo. They're just, they just barely get away in the corner. It's like the perfect timing. I don't know. I just kind of like dig that scene because it's just one shot. And I, I thought that was really cool. I still get goosebumps. We watched it this morning to this day is when Miyagi's teaching comes all together. When he's questioning, why am I doing this? I'm being your damn slave. And he's like, no. And you, I don't know. I still get kind of goosebumps. I'm like all fired up. Like, get out of the, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's, but, uh, but yeah, I love that. Um, I love the bottle scene where he, 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 and I agree with you, Jordan, completely stupid. Why would anyone do that? But he hits it off and he goes, hey, what did you learn to do that? Don't know. First, First time. time. I loved that. Um, I, I've always said this. Did anybody find out if he actually... They do a quick... I looked at it. I did, I couldn't find out. They do a quick cut. As soon as he, he he swipes, they cut to the next... And that's usually how they film a fight scene, right? So you can't really tell. I don't, I don't know. But uh, um, the uh, the uh, the Kobukai outfits, the black... like I, I kind of want to be one of that Halloween one time. I think they're like just cool. Mm. Kerwin, did you ever notice the tournament logo? It's like a fist, yeah. and it really like if you look at it, like they kind of nailed it as a graphic designer. I feel like it's a cool logo. I don't, I don't know. I, I just liked it. The All Valley, like tournament logo. I just, it's a treasure of mine. Doesn't that remind you of like uh, fighting Pokemon cards, like uh, the Pokemon cards? Yeah yeah yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. A little fist. Yeah. Um, the punch scene where Daniel's finally going to learn how to punch. And he, he says, what are you, some kind of girl? <laughs> like, like, hit, you know? I thought that was great. And then he gets so cocky and he does all that. Miyagi takes him down. I think you talk too much. And I, I think I laugh every time. But to me, the best treasure of this whole movie is the you're the best montage. I just, yeah. I, I, I get excited. I geek out when it comes on. Um, I, I don't know. Yeah, that, that's, that's, that's uh, the best part of the movie, I think. But uh, um, one other treasure that I have, um, Daniel LaRusso is wearing an old vintage Charger jersey at the time. So I loved that. Um, but another treasure that I really like is at the very end, Johnny stops the trophy presentation person and takes like, hey, I, I owe this to him. And get, I feel like it validates its character. Like, and he says, you're all right, LaRusso, because at that time you're kind of like, all right, I kind of like Johnny still. You know what I mean? I, I, I love that part. I wish I wish they would have actually like lingered on that a little bit because yeah. like you see the doubt like when uh, when Crease or whatever is telling him to sweep the leg, like Johnny's just kind of like, whoa like yeah. i don't i don't know if i'm allowed to do that like yeah. that's fucked up yeah and and so like you kind of see like a little hint of you know he's not 100 percent terrible and i wish that would have been a little more of a thread like like maybe he's a bully because he's being pressured right, to be right. a fucking dickhead yeah. by his dojo by his friends i i would have liked to see that a lot more mm -hmm. yeah but yeah those are my trash and treasures all right, Jason, uh what's your trash and treasure all right so i'll go kind of quick through these um my trash um how do they fit their whole house in a, sta in a station wagon? Um, so it's interesting, but like, I get it. So we're trying to play on this poor thing. I get it. But it's like, I'm talking like they get, they sleep in a bed, I would imagine. And they have at least one dress between the two of them. Like you can't fit all that and your clothes and whatever. But then they get to the apartment and then there's already, you know, beds and a dresser and couches and stuff. And I never so saw anything as far as a moving they U-Haul. They pulled out a New Jersey with like two, three boxes in the back of the station wagon and Daniel's bike strapped to the top. 
That is it. <laughs> and I was like, are these guys in witness protection or something? <laughs> yeah. They got to go? Yeah. Maybe the mom was lying. Maybe there's something else going on. She was Baby. involved, it's, connected. It's homeboy from a kindergarten cop is chasing him. <laughs> I know, oh right? So, dude, I don't know. It was just weird. I mean, I get trying to exaggerate them being poor, but I mean, she definitely didn't hire movers. Like, if we're trying to plan this poor thing. Um, to that, I've never seen an apartment furnished before like that. So I thought it was just kind of weird. Um, the music playing on the beach, I thought was dumb. Uh, sounded like the Beach Boys. I don't know if it was, but I don't like the Beach Boys. Um, again, I said this in my experience, watching on Peacock sucks, because um, there's so many fucking commercials, but maybe I just need to upgrade. Maybe I'm just being cheap. Um, like I said earlier, if Daniel had never picked up the radio, we would not have a movie. So there's that. Um, Daniel is kind of a badass. I'll give you guys that, but he's kind of whiny too. Yes. Like yes. he's like oh, like after the Palm soccer trees, thing. Ma. Yeah, <laughs> after the soccer thing, uh, and he's like, "This school sucks." This school. He says like five or six times in a row as he's walking off from the sunset, and then like not liking it there and complaining to the mom. Again, I like what the mom's response. I thought it was really cool that she just stopped and said that, but just just complaining a lot. After the Halloween dance, you know, this, you know, the whole Cobra Kai cruise chasing uh, the shower, you know, Daniel LaRusso. And so they get to the gate that the second gate that Daniel can't hop over. They're facing the gate. All Cobra Kai, Giant Lawrence, everyone's facing the gate. They do not see Pat Morita hopping over the fence. You don't yeah. see a small Japanese guy hopping over the goddamn He's fence. He's Okinawan. <laughs> Whatever. I'm sorry, Jason, Okinawan. It was foggy that night. Situational was a lot of fog. blindness. Yeah, something was going on. I just I was like, how do you not see that? You guys are facing the fence. Um, again, it's kind of weird that Miyagi's giving teenager booze. Um, feels kind of creepy for a second. The cheesy music at the golf and stuff place. I thought that was cheesy as fuck. Uh, when Daniel and Allie first kiss... Like, it looks like he's, like, trying to consume Thank her you. entire I, head. He, he is not a good kisser. No. <laughs> like, yeah. No. It, it just, it looks awful. Um, uh, and then my last trash is, I forget the guy's name at the end tournament, when he's just yelling at Johnny. I just think it just, it's so loud. The camera backs off, and there's, like, the wide shot. You could still hear him yelling. Um, but it is funny what he says, where he says, no mercy, and then, Give him a body bag. I thought that was hilarious. Give him a body bag. Yeah. <laughs> Treasures. I think young Johnny Lawrence, I think he's a badass. Plays a part well. Um, I had to reread this a couple times because I couldn't remember what I was trying to write. But <laughs> when uh, Daniel asks him, uh, Miyagi when he's going to fix the sink, and he says, after. And he's like, after what? He's like, after, after. I thought that was like pretty cool when you're telling someone when you're going to do something. I'm going to use it. After, after. Um... They say the movie title 17 minutes in. It's treasure. It just reminds me of the Family Guy episode. I'm like, yeah, they said it. They said it. Um, did I activate what, something? What scene did he say to the Karate Kid? It's, you're on Surrey, baby. Uh, how do I get on no, does, no, somebody, he does, Daniel does something, and I think either Freddy or somebody else calls him the a Karate Kid or the Karate Kid when yeah. they're at the beach, I think. Yeah, oh, when okay. they're at the beach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Um, but can I can I interrupt you for a moment on that no. beach scene? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyways, um, he he kind of portrays that he is like semi karate, right? Because remember when he kicks open the gate and he yeah. gets his friend, and then he's at the beach. Wasn't his training though at the YMCA? And that book he has. That book. <laughs> All right. As somebody who had owned several ninja books over the course of me being a child. All right. Books can be a valuable resource. <laughs> Well, he's able to kick in that door pretty good. Yeah. So. Um, 
I think, Lindy, you were talking about it, the scene where Daniel and his mom were at the restaurant and you see the boys in the background. I thought that was kind of cool. The skeleton costumes, I always thought those were badass. Um, Jason, let's let's do that next Halloween. I'm down to do All that right, for sure. Well, let's not mention Cobra Kai. They they bring it back. There you go. Yeah, they yeah. do. But yeah. they flip it. That right, they do flip it. I think it's the Miyagi Dojo that has them, right? Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Um, the disparity between the poor and rich kids at the at the same school. I mean, in high school, I saw a lot of that. So people like. I was driving my little three-cylinder Geo Metro, and then I was right next to a kid pulling out in a Viper, and... You had a car? I had a car. Not me. Yeah. It's called Chevrolet back okay. then. <laughs> and a thumb. What I had was barely a car, though. Um, if I put too many people in there, we could not get on the on-ramp to the freeway, so I mean, you gotta be careful with it. Um, the part where Daniel gets frustrated, um, I think you were talking about this mugs when he finally like, he gets frustrated with Miyagi and he's like, dude, why the hell am I doing all these chores? Um, and he like starts to like kind of spar off with Miyagi and he uses all the moves. I just think that's freaking badass. I think that's so cool. Um, when Miyagi steals the belt for Daniel at the yeah, tournament, that's funny. Uh, the tournament itself was badass. And then of course the best treasure is uh, you're the best around. I, I just love it. Yeah. Again, I wish we could play right now without getting in trouble with copyright issues. It's funny too because I have it on Elizabeth and I's little Apple Music playlist, and she's never seen the movie. But anytime I'm like, "Oh, Elizabeth, you're the best," she's like, "Around," and I'm like, "You've never even seen the, the movie. movie." Yeah. So yeah. that's my trash and treasure. Cool. Uh, one more thing I wanted to point out. Um, I think uh, there's a lot to be said about uh, a lot of the. I mean, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of things that work in this movie. We talk about the multi generational stuff. We talk about you know growth as a person, uh, teenage love, uh, you know, East meets West philosophy, as well as like the eats, teachers. Eats West yeah. philosophy. You had yeah. to do it. Eats. You had to do eats, it. Eats. Yeah. We talk about the the East uh, meets West philosophy, and then you talk about the two different styles of upbringing uh, upbringing for for our. our two rivals whether it's you know uh wealth you know style of you know martial arts or whatever but i think one thing that's very subtle um that hints at the growth that daniel and miyagi have gone through together is that throughout the movie people are mispronouncing miyagi's name right and daniel goes from mispronouncing it to being told how to pronounce it correctly to eventually telling the announcer at the tournament that he needs to pronounce it correctly and I think it's such a subtle thing in the movie uh, that it really shows like how far he has come and like the bond he has he's uh, grown together with Miyagi. Yeah. That he's gone from saying it completely wrong to making sure that other people get it right. Yeah, the respect when it comes out. Yeah, that respect is like a hundred percent there, and and it's so subtle, but I, I love that. And then also, uh, when Allie pops up to say what's up to Daniel at the cafeteria, she looks like she's aged like at least seven years. I don't know if that was a reshoot or what. I could be wrong, but like she just looks so much older in that scene. Like Elizabeth Shue looks so much older it's in the back cafeteria. Back when that perm was like a big, remember that was like a big deal in the mid yeah. '80s. The perm stuff, yeah. Like her hair just looks different. She, out. Looks, yeah. she looks yeah. older. Like it, I don't know what I don't know. They're the same age about, but still, I thought she looked like seven years older yeah. in that scene. But that's it. Um, now ticket prices. Ticket prices. Yeah, uh, Jordan, how much are you paying? I feel like the Karate the Karate Kid is a classic movie that introduced many staples in like pop culture. You know, you have the wax on, the wax off, get him a body bag, or the famous uh, crane kick. And as a late bloomer myself, and someone who was always in the front row for class pictures 
and had to deal with bullies uh, quite a bit. You know, this movie kind of showed me the importance of standing up for oneself. And uh, again, for the third time, it was a movie that I can really remember watching and enjoying with uh, my dad. That And that whole thing brings a whole slew of positive memories. So with that, I'm going to pay 15 bucks to see nice. this movie. Uh, me, I think I'm going to... I was hovering between 10 and 15, like going into the movie. Uh, you know, it's not a movie I watch very often, but, you know, talking to everybody here and then kind of taking notes last night, there's so much going on in this movie. Um, I forgot how long it is, but like it, it is slow, it's methodical, um, and there it is, it is dense when you look at a lot of the... Uh, the different kinds of relationships that we keep bringing up. Um, there's a lot to pull out of this movie that's really good, and I think it's like a really, really strong coming of age story. Action is good, the message is good. Um, so I think I'm gonna go solid 15 on this. Um, yeah, so 15 from me. Uh, Lindy, what about you? I think I'm gonna agree with both of you guys. I, I just feel like the movie brings a lot to the table in terms of just, like you said, growth and relationships and, and not only that, but um, I'm gonna push it fast forward. I mean, we're talking, what, 30 years, yeah. right? And they've been able to create a Netflix series Wait. Why are we saying 30? It's been 40. 40 40 years. years. Okay. Yeah. We said that twice, huh? Or aging me? Wow. All right. Well, I was hoping for the. It's 30 years. Yeah. 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 30 and change. I mean, who's who's counting? But no, just to say that they can like bring it fast forward and it's relevant to today and that they were able to mix in, you know, a new generation with an old generation and that you're still dealing with same conflicts and issues as you were back then. And that, you know, whether I can relate to it or even my 16 year old daughter can, can watch it and, and I can bring her back to an old movie that brought really good memories to my childhood. Um, I'm just, I'm fascinated by it. I love it. It brings excitement and, um, yeah, I would pay $15 over and over. There you go. Uh, Mugga, how much are you paying? I, it's the same thing. I feel like this is a great bottle of wine. It's aged so well that literally, like, I, we, we watched with, with her, her, uh, her youngest daughter uh, a series of Cobra Kai where she's in, intrigued by it and then can watch this movie. And I feel like we could put it on someone that has never seen it and really like it, whatever age they are right now, whether they're... 15 years old or if they're 35 or my age <laughs> older but uh, I, I, I'm going to give this I can't give it a 20 I, I thought about it um, it's not that iconic but I, I am going to give this a solid 15 as well alright and uh, Jason what are you paying I'm going to have to agree with all you guys I'm going to go 15 as well um, again re-watching it last night even though it was on Peacock and tons of interruptions um, I was th- it wasn't on Peacock would you have given it a 20 <laughs> no no I don't I don't think I can go 20 but it would have been more enjoyable experience can I, can I ask before we cut Jason up can I ask you guys why you're not giving it a 20 to me I just I can't put this up there with a movie like a Jurassic Park or a Back to the Future or which I did not give Back to the Future of 20 please I want to be on the record that I should have always done that I'm Buddhist so sorry man. <laughs> yeah um, but like I, I, don't, I don't know why I just I could not give it a 20 what is your guys's reason I think a 20 for me is just like when I watch a movie and I'm just like, God damn, what the fuck did I just watch? Because we gave Ocean's 11 a 20. I, that's how I feel about Ocean's 11. Okay. I could watch yeah. Ocean's 11 over and over and over and over. I don't feel that way about certain movies that we give 15s to. Yeah. Like, I feel like I got to be like impressed as fuck yeah. to give something a 20. That's just me yeah. though. So for me, a 20 is something that is always 
on my mind, in my memory. You know, if somebody's like, hey, give me a good movie, a, a 20 is always at the top of the list. Uh, the Karate Kid is not, not at the top of the list. Not at the top of the list, but it's one of those movies that you kind of, you know, it, it kind of leaves your mind and then you watch it again and you're like, man, this is this is great, yeah. you know? So I, that's, that's- I agree with it. you on that note. Like it's one of those, not a $20 movie of my all time, like you always talk about your top, 25. 25. I rank them. Um, but it's one of those movies that you forget about mm -hmm. and then it comes on and it brings back this childhood memory and it gives you this excitement. You're like, oh, I totally forgot about this movie. I think if they had not come out with a Cobra Kai, it would have been one of those movies, the old time favorites that you just kind of forgot about. Yeah. Um, but the fact that they brought up this new series. It's one of the best soundtracks just, though. Yeah. Has yeah. just uh, made it all come yeah. back and made it even that much better. Yeah. Sorry to cut you off, Jason. Go ahead. You're giving it a 15. Still a 15. Yeah, I'm giving it a 15. I mean, it's no Shrek, so I can't go 20. But um, uh, Did you see that there's a Shrek play coming out, though? I'm excited. Yeah. I drove by a, a billboard there's for it. There's a billboard, yeah. Shrek, yeah. Shrek the musical. Yeah. Guys, stop. I'm getting aroused. <laughs> well, Shrek is love. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So, 15. Okay, wait, wait, yeah, and the bypass your last statement. We are going to give this a solid 15. There you go for this movie. All right, but uh, would we pay more if Tom Cruise was in this well, movie? Well, Tom Cruise was originally linked to this as no. Daniel... Is it Weber or Weber? I don't know. No, Weber. Weber. Weber, okay, and he did not get the part for some reason. I don't know. He could be... Uh, Can we talk about Tom Cruise's midline? Like, that'll forever... Sorry. Don't talk bad about Tom Cruise Just in this podcast. No, you can't no, do it. No, you can't, you can't Sorry, do it. Guys, no. can't no, do he's it. he's the best. Around I'm, around. I don't I don't I don't know. Like I I, I wouldn't want to take John Kreese's character. No. Because I don't know, I like him. He gives you one of the other Cobra Kai's. I mean, that's, maybe that's maybe what, Bobby. Maybe Bobby, yeah. 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 I mean he's great at everything, so maybe he could have been the referee who was also in charge of doing all the fight choreography for this movie. I don't know, you know. But. He could have been the headband. The headband, Jordan. The headband. <laughs> All right. You know I'm I'm pulling when I have to make fun of somebody's headband. <laughs> We're cool with the fifteen dollars, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. So uh, that's it for Karate Kid, and uh, we'll all come back for the next one. Uh, so, in the words of Tom Cruise, "Fuck you, Sally." That's it for this episode of $20 Ticket. Be sure to check us out on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at $20 Ticket. That's $20 Ticket for more content. Follow us on Spotify, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, and if you've got the time, leave us a review. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, send them to $20Ticket at gmail.com. That's $20Ticket at gmail.com. Thank you for listening.